I had thought today would be uh, the last message in this section, and it's not going to be. Sorry. Uh, There are times when you uh, study the Word of God and you dwell on the Word of God, you spend time on the Word of God that... um, it's like a flower that blooms, and as the more you look at it, it becomes wider and wider. And uh, I believe that there is uh, one more thing I need to share concerning looking into the face of Jesus. That uh, perhaps will be a summary, perhaps, I don't know. I, I, my prayer is that it will be an exhortation next week. Because today we're looking at the second part of a, a look that is granted sovereignly. So if you would please pray with me and then we'll read our text. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, I, I think about all the misunderstanding that exists on who you are and what you do. Uh, and Father, and that's just within the church. Father, I ask that we who gather here this day that you would grant us ears to hear and you would grant us eyes to see that we may embrace this, be overwhelmed by it and be encouraged, strengthened, and if necessary, convicted. Father, we may understand the privilege of people of Jesus Christ, join heirs with Christ, have to look into his face to see the glory of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for drawing us this day. And Father, may we uh, rest in the full assurance and the amazing things that you do to your glory and to your praise. Amen. Beginning in verse 18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, The glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience and sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It's an amazing text, actually, and, and, and I think the thing that happens in this letter is few of us are paying attention to what's going on in Paul's life. Uh, if you were to look at Paul's ministry at the writing of this letter, you would say that he was a failure. It seems like that everything could go wrong was going wrong. He had been beaten, he had been stoned and left for dead, he had been shipwrecked, uh, People had come into the church in Corinth where he'd spent two years and were saying that you can't trust him. He's deceptive. He is selling this gospel of grace for favors, some sexual favors, some monetary. And yet the church wasn't defending Paul and some were actually, hey, maybe that's right. So if you were to look at it, he's in Ephesus when he writes the... And there's actually four letters written to the Corinthians. And in the church in Ephesus that he spent all this time, there's been a riot. And he didn't even know where everybody's at. Because idol makers were mad that this man had started this group who did not adhere to idols. So if you were to look at quote-unquote ministry... at the writing of this letter, you're like, I don't want no part of this. This is, this is nuts. And yet, I think about you and I in our day-to-day walks. We have things that distract us. We have things that hurt us. We have attacks. 
We have people who uh, may be co-workers or even relatives that are trying to dissuade us, trying to prove something wrong to us. They're trying to do all of these things just to get us off track. Uh, you can turn on the news and it, the world might as well just be going away. It's, it's a disaster. Whether it's in Europe, whether it's Africa, whether it's Asia, it just doesn't matter. Oh my God. Okay? And yet what happens is, it is easy for you and I to stop looking into the face of Jesus. You know, and I thought about this when I titled this message, uh, The Face of Jesus. The first thing you think of when you speak of the face of Jesus is the picture that everybody's seen in a church. Straight brown hair, shoulder length, nice trimmed beard, blue eyes, and olive colored skin doing this. I, really? That's Jesus? I thought he was taller. I, I, I don't understand some of this stuff. And yet, that's what people think of when they say, well, when you picture Jesus, what do you picture? And, you know, we all come up with that picture that every church has seen it. It was in every church that I could ever remember. That, you know, shoulder length. And who styles your hair, Lord? <laughs> but that's what you look at. It's so straight. When I think about looking into the face of Jesus, I think about what the Apostle Paul is saying here in verse 18. He says, we all, meaning we who are saved, we all with unveiled face behold in a mirror. And the word behold there is behold. Whoa. Whoa. And it's unveiled. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai, he was the only one. One person got to see the glory of God. And he came down and it was so bright that it reflected off of him that he had to put a veil over his head because it freaked everybody out. It was so bright they could not look intently at it. But now, because of the work of the cross, you and I behold the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. When you think about the glory of God, everybody thinks, this is a real big bright light. No. The glory of God is all the nature and attributes of who is God is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. And it is extraordinarily clear. You know, you'll hear this. God is love. And we all walk around going, ah, heart flutter, flutter, flutter. Right? God is love. He is the standard of love. But let me tell you something that you miss sometimes. If he is love, then his hatred is only as perfect as his love. Did you get that? Because he is love, but he is the judge. He is merciful, but he is righteous. And you can't separate those. And, and I really wish that we would pay attention to that because he has a hatred for sin. And I use the word hatred. It's not a discomfort. It's not, well, it just causes me anguish. No, he hates it. He hates it so much that he has eternal condemnation for those who do not believe. That's pretty serious. That's, that is pretty serious. But see, we, but he is love. Yes, he is. Absolutely. Absolutely. But he's also sovereign. Okay? Do you know what that means? He's not looking for your opinion. He's sovereign. He spoke existence into being. And you're going to help him with what detail? Okay. Now then you start going through who is God and then you can see every attribute right in front of your bulletin. Right in front of your bulletin. This is when the storm was on the Sea of Galilee. And the fishermen, professional fishermen, they're scared to death. We're going to drown. And Jesus is up in the bow of the boat sleeping. Taking a nap. We're getting ready to die. What's the matter with him? He stands up and says, be still. 
And the original Greek language says that the whole Sea of Galilee just went flat. And it says the guys in the boat were terrified. Duh! (laughs) The guy gets up and says, be still, and the storm stopped. Behold, the wind and the waves listen to this guy. That would be the glory of God manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah, I'd have been afraid too. Okay, I was in a storm one out one. Uh, it was a weekend. It was at a Bonnie Reservoir. I had this flat fishing boat, and it had an open bow in it. And <laughs> we had been down at the dam fishing. We were headed back upstream, and the waves were crashing across my windshield. And you got the bilge pumps on and all the rest of it, but you start looking and, and I'm, I'm not wanting to go real fast because there were some seriously big waves hitting. And then, uh, so I had Joshua take her, Jim take the steering wheel of the boat and I went to the back and opened up the back and the water is about that far from covering my batteries. And I'm sitting there going, this has got ugly all over it. Okay. And I would wish that Jesus would get up and stop this. <laughs> my, my pump is not making it here, Bubba. <laughs> you know, I know I'm not going to drown, but I don't want to sink my boat either. <laughs> so anyway, I made it back and my boat made it back too. Yeah. Remember Casey Wheeler? Anybody remember Casey Wheeler? <laughs> Had a split windshield on it, right? Okay. <laughs> Matt Wheeler and Willie. And Josh was sitting there kind of, oh, my God, this is awful. Casey's standing between the two windshields just getting buffeted by these waves, just smacking her. She just turned around grinning at me like, well, this is totally cool. <laughs> We're about to die, little girl. Shut up. <laughs> but, anyway. but when I think about Jesus stopping the storm, do you realize what that is? Now you think about that for a second. It wasn't all of a sudden a low-pressure system just came in. He just happened to time it. He's seen the clouds clearing. No, because the text says that the water went flat. And you're like, whoa, (laughs) that's pretty good. That is the glory of God. And you and I who are truly saved, we all, we all have a clear view. Clear view. I, anywhere I read in Scripture right now, I can see the person of Jesus Christ. Anywhere in Scripture, I see the person of Jesus Christ. And as I look at that person of Jesus Christ, I'm watching the manifestation of who is God and what he's about. Too many of us read our Bibles on what's this mean to me, any what it's about. Who is God? What is he doing? And what is he capable of doing? Second thing you see is that the longer you look at the person of Jesus Christ in Scripture, you will see there that it transformed into the same image from glory to glory. One level of glory to the next level of glory to the next level of glory to the next level of glory. What is glory? The manifestations of the attributes and nature of God. That's pretty serious. Think about what I just said. The longer I look into the person of Jesus Christ in Holy Scripture, what happens? You're transformed. You're transformed. You are transformed. As you look into the face of Jesus Christ in Holy Scripture, you will be transformed. It's a guarantee. But you have to look. You can't put your Bible underneath your pillow. Okay, I have one in my glove compartment. I have one in a saddlebag. Makes the motorcycle blessed. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? When you look into his face, you who are truly saved will be transformed. You will begin manifesting the glory of God. You will begin looking with the nature and the characteristics of a holy God. You know what? I get into trouble. People say, uh, you know, I'm saved because everybody I run into is saved. Okay? If you don't believe me, ask them. Okay? And I have the same response that I give to everybody. How do you know? And they hate that. 
Because now all of a sudden they got to think about it. Well, how do you know? Well, you know, when I was uh, eight years old, that seemed to be the key number, eight, eight or 12, I walked the aisle, the preacher, he just swayed me. And I walked the aisle and I said a prayer. And I was saved. I said, you know, where, nowhere in the Bible does it say walk an aisle, say a prayer and you'll be saved. And that really messes with them. Okay? Doesn't say that. Just doesn't say it. Sorry. When I got saved, there was no aisle to walk. I didn't have anywhere to go. I was in a very small place. Okay? Doesn't say that. But I knew I was a sinner. And I asked God to forgive me, and I had no deal on the table. Well, let's make a deal here. I'll be your best saint if you... No, I didn't say that. I knew I was a sinner. And yet it will transform you. You have, at the beginning of your salvation, you have peace with God. You are no longer an enemy to God. But as you walk with him and you look into the person of Jesus Christ, his face, and you begin beholding the glory of God, it will transform you. And the next thing you'll know, you'll have the peace of God. You know what that means? What bothers you? What bothers you? And then all the rest of it manifests too. But it also strengthens you. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry uh, and we, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. I'm not a coward no more. You know, you've heard it. There are stealth Christians among us. What are they? They don't want to offend anybody, so they don't tell anybody they're a Christian. You know, I, I, young people, I'll ask, ask you, how many times have you been put into a place that looks just like the world and you felt really awkward in it? Have you ever used this? I don't think this is appropriate for me. Well, I can't say that. Well, wait a minute. If you understand the mercy that saved you, then you will not be a coward. You will not lose heart. I don't think this is appropriate for me. You know what? I hear this. Well, the only time I can, they won't ever let me have Sundays off. Why not? Well, what cause? Perhaps you should tell them that you want to go to church on Sunday morning. I remember I grew up in southern Ohio and I remember going to Cleveland. Half of Cleveland is Jewish. Okay, and there's a dividing line in it. And on Saturdays, you knew you were in the Jewish section of Cleveland. There's nothing open. And it's still that way. I'm, now, listen, you need to understand what I'm saying. There's nothing open. You can't get gas. You can't go to a convenience store. There is nothing open on Saturday. Why? It's the Sabbath. Nothing open. Why are we afraid to say, you know what? I'm going to go worship my king on Sunday. I can come in after one o'clock. Well, you just don't understand. I know I do understand because you've lost heart. You don't think God ain't going to honor that? But we lose heart. This is not an appropriate place for me. I lose heart. No, I don't think so. I don't think Jesus is going to be comfortable hanging with me in this place. It's not hard to say. But see, if you lose the focus of the mercy that has been shown you, then you're not looking into the face of Jesus Christ, then you're not understanding the glory of God revealed in that person, and you are not being transformed, and you look just like lost people. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Uh, I know hospitals, uh, if there are certain uh, times that the uh, Christmas falls on, uh, on a Sunday, and I know Jewish people who will say, I will work your shift because this is a holy day for you. And they don't even like Jesus much. So it strengthens us. It also purifies us. First part of verse 2. We renounce the hidden things. Why? The person of the Holy Spirit is on me. Can I renounce it? Why? It's shameful. Shameful. 
I shouldn't be doing this. This is an awkward position. I don't want to be about this. I don't need somebody to come and go, hey, buddy. I don't need that. Why? I have looked into the face of Jesus Christ. I'd look into his face enough on a daily basis that I, you know, I don't need somebody to say, well, I think that's wrong. Why? Because I've spent enough time looking, saying, you know what? I know that's wrong. I don't need somebody to tell me that's wrong. It purifies. But he also says there that there is a love for truth. Why? Because no longer do we walk in craftiness. Craftiness is one of those words that says, you know what? This is what I want for the outcome, and it doesn't really matter how I get around it to get to that outcome. That's craftiness. Okay, you don't need to do that. Adulterating the world, prostituting the word. You know, just kind of, I had a friend of mine tell me one time, he says, you know, the Bible's sort of like a POW. And I said, what do you mean by that? He says, you persecute it long enough, it'll say anything. And it's true. But that's the reason it was written like it was in letters, so that you can't persecute it. And yet we still work at it. We still work at it. And I don't have to do that. I lay the word out there. And you know what? If it makes you mad, oh, well. If it comforts you, oh, well. Okay? It's not my job. My job is to say, what is it saying? Here. Okay? And if you don't like it, Take it up with the author. Take it up with the author. But it's a privilege. Verses 3 and 4. Those who have veiled, who can't see it. They don't understand it. All right? Those who can't see it, first of all, they're unbelieving. They're perishing. But the second thing is they can't see it. They're Their head's covered, but the God of this world has blinded them. Okay? So not only is their head covered, they're blind. Okay? The God of this world is everything that's around you. This whole system. Everything. Capitalism, democracy, dictatorship, socialism. I don't care what it is. Wall Street, you name it. I don't care. It is Satan's. It is there to feed your ego. Period. That's all it's there for. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. That's it. And everything is based on it. I don't care what the system is. Still, it's Satan's. You don't understand what I'm saying. Well, this was founded on a what? A constitution written by men. This was written by God. It's really not that hard. I, I, it's, you know, because I watch everybody, you know, we have in God we trust on our coin. Why don't we? So what? I have a coin that trusts him. You don't. I, you know, I've got a fish on mine. Does that mean your car saved? I've seen how some of you drive. That'll freak you out on a motorcycle. Get off the phone. <laughs> it will. <laughs> but it's a privilege. God removed the veil. And God set you free from the prince of this world. The ruler of this world. You know what? I have a friend of mine, and he's a pastor. And he has this friend of his who's extraordinarily rich. Okay? I'm talking like really the private jet rich. Okay? And he's not married. And, and, and they play golf together. And he said to me, he said he'd been praying for his salvation. And his buddy came to him one time. He says, here's the problem. He says, if I believe you're Jesus, then I have to give up the women, the toys, and, 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 and all of these things. I've got to give that all up. And I don't want to. And he looked at him. He says, no. The difference is, is that if you come to Jesus, all the price tags change. Things that you used to think were of value are no longer of value. 
Okay? See, see what we do? I mean, it, you know what? God has blessed me with all kinds of little bitty things that I got. But you know what? He also knows that if he wants them, he can have them. Uh, you know what? I, nope. There's nothing on this planet that I'm attached to. Didn't. Oh, I can't believe you're saying that with your wife there. She knows it. My kids, nope. Absent from the body, I'm in a better place than you. That ain't how it's written, but <laughs> it's one of those, don't cry for me. And anybody tries to raise me from the dead, I'm killing them. <laughs> so, so, call me out of heaven, I'll whoop you. <laughs> I'll be the one saint coming back out of heaven with an attitude. <laughs> Pull me out of here. Just kidding. But it, when you start looking at it and you've been freed from this system, this system has no mastery over a child of God. But it's only the children of God who are willing to look longingly, intently into the face of Jesus Christ. If they're not doing that, then what are you looking at? The things of this world, and how will they make me feel better? And you know what? They won't. I don't care what it is. Get a new car, you're going to run out of a new car smell. I I see people do it with relationships. I see people doing it with jobs. I see them do it with money. I see, oh, I got to do a vacation for this. I need, if I could go see that. I I remember a guy one time said, well, I've never been to Bahamas, and I'd like to go to Bahamas before I go to heaven. I've been to Bahamas. I drive on the wrong side of the road. It's way overrated. Okay? It's an island. Did you know it's an island? Dude's got water everywhere. Okay? And they got these guys sit on a platform directing traffic, and I have no idea what they're telling me, but they hate it when I come through. <laughs> well, they do, because I'm the only one driving on the right side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> because of that, verse 5, it says it humbles us. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. The word there is Lord, curios, Lord. You don't make Him Lord. We preach Him. He is Lord. You just sang it. He is Lord. Okay, listen, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some point in life, every one of you will have to see him and say, you know, he's Lord. Now, you may be really bummed out about it, but he still doesn't make it not true. He's still Lord. Which makes us what? Whose bond servants? For Jesus' sakes. We are servants to one another because of Jesus' sakes. Why? He is Lord. These are my people. Serve them. It's kind of cool. Which brings us, for God who said, light shall come out of the darkness, shine out of the darkness. He's literally quoting Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, the creation event. Everything was there as formless and void and darkness covered it all. And God said, let there be light. Let there be light. I I find it fascinating. Uh, Hubble, the the telescope, (laughs) I love science. They had estimated that, uh, uh, how did did they say that? Oh, yeah, that the creation, all of creation, okay, is a gazillions of years old. I don't remember the exact numbers, but so many billions of years old, okay? And Hubble has been looking at all the bodies, and they said, oh, do you know that the bodies are older than the creation? <laughs> I think that's funny. Because, <laughs> well, how can you have creation and then the bodies were there before creation? Just an idea. Well, that's because it was formless and void and it was in the dark, and then God said, let there be light. And Hubble said, Yeah! <laughs> great idea and now all the scientists are I gotta get my calculator back out okay they got big calculators I don't have one that big alright but I, I laugh at that kind of stuff because it's like science says well we're right we're right we're right oh we gotta change we're right we need to change oh we're right we're right oh we need to change that one too but we're still right alright and the bible says no this is the way it is oh did I tell you I'm not changing <laughs> And I don't understand that. I mean, you know, cholesterol's good, cholesterol's bad. This cholesterol does this, this cholesterol. Oh, give me a break. My dad died of a heart attack, and when he died of a heart attack, when you had a heart attack, they just said, stop, don't do anything. 
We don't want you to move. So you've had a heart attack. And now all of a sudden they said, well, now once you've had a heart attack, we need your butt up running. Because <laughs> we need to get this thing going back together again. Well, which is it? But that's science. God said, light shall shine out of the darkness. Guess what? It did. In this thing that we have, he is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So you had the creation event that all of existence is based on. And now, after the cross, you have a new creation event. Is that you have come out of the darkness and the ownership of Satan to be in the light and the ownership of God. And he did it. Okay, why? Because he wanted to. Yeah, but I know. He sovereignly granted it. We should be, that should jack you up. I mean, you should be jumping up and down going, he chose me. Why? I don't care why. I'm tickled to death that he did it. I I don't understand. Well, I don't understand why he would have chosen you. I don't know why he chose you. So there we have it. (laughs) But he did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. Why? He's God, you're not. You're not even on his advisory board. Did you know that? What is this light that is shown in our hearts? It is the light that is the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. I can look at the person of Jesus Christ through 66 books of the Bible and I see the glory of God. And it doesn't matter whether it's Leviticus or Jude. Genesis or Matthew. Doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I see him in Deuteronomy. I see him in Malachi. See him in Revelations. Well, Revelations is very poignant. (laughs) Everybody sees him in Revelations. The light is to know who Christ is. He is God incarnate. And it is extraordinarily clear revelation of God. It's sort of like God takes off the mysteries and the veils and the pictures and the types and the shadows and says, here I am. That's where you use the word behold. Or as I would say, whoa. He is the illumination of truth of God revealed in the person of Christ. Paul is trying to tell you and I in this text, in this section, whatever happens, I can't despair. I can't be depressed. Not very long. Whatever may happen to me, I can't be sad, sorrowful, and I can't quit. I am so immensely blessed. My heart is so overwhelmed with an amazing thanksgiving in the middle of any darkness that a sovereign God chose to turn the light on. And it doesn't matter what's going on. It really don't matter. I don't care if you're going in for medical tests. You just don't understand. You know what? You're probably right. But you know what? You don't understand. The privilege of looking in Scripture to see the face of Jesus Christ, the glory of God manifested. And you can't do it. Have you ever seen people who could read the Bible and have no idea what it's saying? If God don't turn the lights on, it's, they're clueless. Well, that's interesting. I remember, I remember the, the guy, 
was told, he, he says, I can't understand this. And he says, why? He says, when I got saved and I walked out, I said the prayer thing. And he said, and I asked the pastor what I'm supposed to do. And he says, read the gospel of John. And he said, well, you know, it's like at the middle of the book. Why would you read a book in the middle? I said, I don't know. Read the end of it. It'll really bum me out. <laughs> why? There are people who read their Bible and it just... Okay, listen, if God don't turn the lights on, guess what? They're veiled and the God of this world has blinded them. The things of this world are more important to them than seeing the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. It's that simple. And I hate to break the news to you, brothers and sisters. You have no ability, no tricks, no cleverness that you can make somebody get through that. Can't do it. I can tell people to read the Bible. I remember one time I was preaching when we were down at the old building. This, this couple had come and they were visiting. They were sitting in the back. And the longer I preached, this little girl got madder and madder and madder. I mean, you could just watch it. It was just, whoa, that's a pressure cooker thing. It's going to, if I better wrap this thing up or she's going to explode right over in the corner. Okay, so I used to at that time walk back to the back of the, the church and, and shake everybody's hand. And she came up to me and gave me one of these. It is that patriarchal. I ain't going to tell you the word she used, that it's got women oppressed and this and that and the other. And I said, well, ma'am, is there something I said that is not true? Well, none of that was biblical. I said, well, I suggest that you find somewhere in the Bible that what I said was not biblical, and then you bring it back to me. I'm going. I'm going to get my Bible right now. I'm going to read it. And I was like, I won. I did. But, you know, listen, I ain't got no opinions. My opinions is as valuable to me as yours is to you. But you know what? None of our opinions is of any value to God. What does the word say? And if he ain't turning the light on, it ain't happening. Now then, I need to take you to two texts because I need you to understand this because it takes me back to the picture of Jesus with the long shoulder-length hair and the blue eyes and the olive tone skin and, you know, do you go use Avon or whatever? Such a cherished complexion, Lord. First Peter chapter two, verses one to three. The light of the glory of the knowledge of God in the face of Christ. Okay, the word knowledge in the Greek is gnosis. Gnosis. Okay, gnosis is knowledge. To absorb this information and, and, and to have this. Okay? First Peter chapter 2. Therefore, now, what is therefore there? It's a summary of what he's already said. Okay? What did he say? Since you have, in verse 22, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again. Not a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring. What did it say? How did you get this imperishable seed? They will hear a message on Jesus and therefore be saved. Listen, there is no scheme. There is no cleverness. Well, if you got certain special effects, you know, if you can do certain things, this way, if the music sets the mood, primes the pump. No. It is only the Word of God. Period. You know, and then think about it. you got to have some guy stand up with no bells, no whistles, no dancing ponies, and say, this is what the Bible says. Well, God, that's boring. How in the world? Nope. That's it. There's no plan B. There's no plan B. That's how it's done. You give them the word and let God do his work. Here's what he says. It's through the living and enduring word. For all flesh is like grass. And all its glories like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. That's it. That's it. Anything else is just the temporals. And it dies, it withers, and it falls off. Then he says, therefore, putting aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy and slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the 
It is so easy to spot a Christian. And then people get on. Well, judge not lest you be judged. <laughs> Read your context. Read your context. Why? Because a Christian is like a newborn babe. And that infant, if you've ever had been around babies, they have one thing on their mind when they're awake. Okay? And it isn't bonding with you. It is milk. And I get my milk. And when I'm done, you take care of the consequences. I'm taking a nap. And then when I wake up, I want milk. Very focused. And a child of God is what? Very focused. It isn't that complicated. Why? I need to get my people to read their Bibles. No, you need to pray that God saves them so they'll have that. A child of God wants to read the Bible. I want to look into the face of Jesus Christ. I want to see the manifestation of the glory of God in the person of Christ. So I will be transformed and I will literally start manifesting those same attributes in nature. I will be strengthened in it. It is clear. It's not complicated. It will humble me. And I will always look at the mercy of knowing that I'm not under the God of this world's control anymore. I am owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's really cool. Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word that you may grow in respect to your salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Okay? Go over to Second Peter. You've got to understand, Peter was having one of the ministries like Paul's. A tad bit discouraging. Second Peter chapter 1, 2 through 8. I'll just read the context, I guess. It's just, just as easy, really. Because he's writing in verse 1, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. <laughs> that's, that's a neat way of saying you guys who are saved. <laughs> okay. By the righteousness of God, the Father, Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace, what? Did you know it says doesn't say added? It says to be multiplied. If you have a credit card, you have compound interest. Do you understand that it is multiplied? <laughs> it's not added. Okay? If it was just adding, it's not that big a deal. Multiplied, you're like, I keep paying this, and I have been now for 35 years. <laughs> and I still have the same balance. Okay? That's multiplied. <laughs> okay? Multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power... Okay, who? God's divine power has granted to us what? What's the, what's the next word? In an original language, the Greek language, you know what that word means? Everything. You know what you're lacking? Nothing. Pertaining to what? How am I getting that? How? It has been multiplied to you. How? I don't think you got to be a theologian to get that. If you want peace and grace multiplied and seeing his divine power has granted me everything pertaining to life, the temporal, godliness, the spiritual, through what? Now he uses a different word. Epinosis. That's like knowledge on steroids. The true knowledge. The true knowledge of what? Of Him who has called us by His own glory and excellence. The true knowledge. He didn't have shoulder-length hair. He did not have blue eyes. 
He was nothing to catch your eye and he did nothing that stood out physically that you would have said, hey, I think that's Messiah. He was a commoner. He was a carpenter. He had rough hands. Probably short hair because that was the day and the age of the time. The Romans all had short hair. Jesus had short hair? How can that be? Well, everybody knows that's a picture. Simon running around with his little digital. Click. We'll have that painted, Lord. I remember a guy asking me one time, Jesus transformed on the Mount of Transfiguration. There stood Elijah and Moses. And how did the disciples know that? Well, they had pictures of Elijah and Moses hanging in their bedrooms. They all know that. Have a little name badge in heaven that says, My name's Moses. That's the only question you can come up with. Jesus pulls back the veil of his humanity, shows the whole glory of God. And how did they know it was Moses? Well, I'm telling you what. I'm figuring they're just guessing. We read on. For by these. Okay, what would be by these? His divine sovereign power has given us what? The epinosis of God. The true knowledge. Okay? That is what by these is. By these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. How do I find his promises? Read the book. So that by them you may become partakers of... What did it say? Partakers of what? The divine nature. Remember, you're being transformed from glory to glory. That would be sort of like Peter saying, are partakers of the divine nature. And people say, well, how can you judge people? Well, they don't look like they're a partaker of the divine nature. That should stand out. Think about it. Humility. It's rampant in our society. It's everywhere. Really? We have a hall of fame for humble. There ain't no humility. Epsilon, gamma, omega. That's the Greek term. It's always translated as a personal pronoun. You know how do you say it? Ego. Just look around. That's the very reason... Anyway, let me pick it back up. So by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped. Note the word escape, past tense. You're not escaping. You have escaped. Okay, the what? The corruption that is in the world by epithumia, passion. You have past tense. Escaped. The corruption. You know what that word is? Norman David. We call it rusting. Rusting. Take bare metal. What does it do? It rusts. Well, we're in an era to hit a rust. I don't care where you put it. It's still going to rust. Okay? I don't have that rust going on anymore. I have past tense. Escaped. For this very reason, apply with all diligence. There's a word. In your faith. Be diligent in my faith. What? Supply moral excellence to your moral excellence knowledge. Ooh, there's that word again. And in your knowledge, self-control. See, my knowledge is going to give me self-control. Okay, keep going. And in your self-control, perseverance. In your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in what? The true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm seeing a pattern. I'm seeing a pattern. If you do not have a desire to be in your Bible, go back to square one. 
You're veiled and the God of this world has blinded you. The things of this world are more important to you. Listen, attacks come. And if we preach self, these attacks will be an issue. And what I mean by preaching, not every one of you are going to stand up in a pulpit. But we do proclaim. We speak of Jesus. But if I'm speaking only of Jesus and not of self, I have no issue. It don't matter. If I am trying to do it, then you have an issue. Listen, if people cannot find sin in your life, they will attack you personally. I guarantee it. And I've had pastors all tell me, now when they do that, don't take it personal. And I look at them and I said, did you take it personal? And they said, yep. Because it's personal. It's personal. But you know what? If I stay the tact of just Christ, Him crucified, Him Lord, hey, I don't care what you say. Well, you just don't understand. You're probably right. But He's still Lord. I don't care what you call me. Listen, if someone's salvation depends on my credibility, then there will be an issue. Do you get that? It ain't my credibility on the line here, people. It's the Bible on the line here. I am just a messenger. Become a believer based on a belief in me? Really? If you've got kids, you raise your kids in the way of the Lord, but you can't make them have your faith. It's impossible. I can't make my wife have my faith. I can't make anyone in this room have my faith. It's impossible. But you know what? God does a good job of it. I don't preach self. I preach Christ. That's what Paul is saying. Becoming a believer is based on the work of God and his sovereign power. Salvation only comes through the hearing a message of Jesus Christ, period. Paul, as many, whatever is said about me really doesn't matter because the issue is not the Apostle Paul. The issue is not Terry. It's not Peter. The issue is Jesus Christ. Any true speaker of Christ, the issue is the gospel and truth. Period. Period. Because it is that true knowledge of who he is that cuts it. Christ crucified, Christ is Lord. And in that preaching, God moves to turn the light on or to condemn. And it is his sovereign pleasure. Doesn't matter what men say about the individual. We are to just keep preaching Christ because we are slaves to the saints for Jesus' sake. The only thing that I can give every one of you who know my Lord is more about knowing my Lord. That's all I've got to offer. I don't have anything else. All right. And if I give you anything other than that, then you've been cheated. Proclaim truth. And when God chooses, he turns the light on. What a privilege. What a privilege. So we end where we begin. We look into the face of Jesus Christ because God has turned the light on and we see the glory of God revealed. Now let me share with you. That's what it is to be a Christian. To see God revealed in Christ. And then when you do that, guess what? You fall head over heels in love. You do. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every time I look at the Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Scripture, guess what? I love, 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 love. You got to eat it up. A clear look. God revealed. We have to see God. And that love becomes this consuming passion of our lives. And everything else just is kind of out of the way. I'm overwhelmed by the passion of my love for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then we submit all our lives. We submit all of our energy, all of our plans, all of our hopes, all of our dreams. Not my will, but yours be done. So that's where we begin. Why? Because when I look at the face of Jesus Christ, I look at Him, and it is a very clear look. When I look at the face of Jesus Christ, it is a look that can transform me into that very glory. When I look at the face of Jesus Christ, it is a look that will strengthen me regardless of what's going on around me. It will purify me, and it is a look that causes me to love more and more truth, to want to be more and more like Him, to see and to hear Him, and to dwell with Him. It becomes an understanding of the privilege of it is to be have the light turned on by the sovereignty of God and in that privilege it humbles me why me it is a look that is granted sovereignly and it is by his mercy Paul said if not for grace there I would go and it is God's sovereign plan Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, that text right there is what Christianity is all about. There has to be a love to look into the person of Jesus Christ, and it has to be a consuming, overwhelming love that is second to nothing. If a man loves his father and mother more than me, he is not worthy of me. And the more you look at him, the more you'll be consumed by it, the more you are consumed by it, the more you'll be transformed by it, the more you'll be strengthened by it. Oh, look, it all goes back around. And it becomes the passion of who you are. So, I don't need a response to this question. I'm just going to ask it. When you walk from this place and you're in your homes, some of you have mixed marriages. What I mean by that is married to unbelievers, co-workers, and all these other things. I will ask you this simple question. Do your co-workers know who is your first love? People in your everyday life, do they know who is your first love? Let's pray. Father, to your glory and praise, I thank you for this text. I thank you for my brother Paul. Father, his faithfulness to you for all those years through suffering and heartache. Lord, I just pray that uh, your word this day finds fertile ground. And Father, as passion that you showed on that cross would be the passion that motivates each of us father it is not us it is you it's you alone father i just praise you that even in these earthen vessels you've given us a precious treasure father we love you and i pray that our love will continue to grow father if that love is not known this day may this be the day that you invade that soul Father, I just thank you and for the time you've graced me to look at this. And Father, I just pray that we will each walk worthy, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, brothers and sisters here as we are brothers and sisters in eternity. May it be to your glory, may it be to your praise in Christ's name. Amen.